welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this morning or this evening or or this afternoon or whenever, because after all, it's your podcast. Um, Joining me today, this is a quick start on the kickstart episode. And what we do in a quick start on a kickstart episode is it's when we... um, we basically have a creator who has a project which is either just about to launch on Kickstarter or is on Kickstarter or is just about to finish on Kickstarter and we bring them on to have a quick chat about the project and a very quick chat about themselves. So joining me all the way from sunny Canada <laughs> is, is Artem Safarov uh, from... Ultima Games. So, hello, Artem. Hi, Richard. This is the first time someone with a Scottish accent says my name, and I love it. One, <laughs> one of my one of my resolutions coming into this podcast was to try not to get into my terrible impersonation of a Scottish accent because I think it's I amazing. Wanna, so I want to. I want to hear. No, that. no, you do not. You do not. I, I do. I, I <laughs> without without error, I will downgraded somewhere towards like between pirate and pakistani and no one wants to hear that just <laughs> listen to my natural beautiful rush hints of russian and we'll we'll just stick with that that'll be fine we'll just uh, we'll just run with, <laughs> run with that um the reason that we the reason that we do episodes like this is because um it's always good to hear about kickstarters it's always good to hear about kind of kickstarters from new creators and designers and it's also um, it's always good to hear about designers who are releasing games that are of the um, of the solo play kind of variety because uh, the game itself is uh, unbroken. Um, and what we like to do is we like to find out a li- we like to find a little bit a, li- a little bit about the creator. Um, we're going to find out a little bit about Artem, and then we're going to find out a little bit about Unbroken because I'm fascinated to hear what this is about because solo play games seem to be it seems to be a solo variant seems to be something that um that is kind of requ- that is asked for an awful lot in kind of in, in kind of multiple game kickstarters and i know there's a lot of people like both sides of the table for instance who specialize in talking about games that you can do solo play variants so um artem how did you how did you kind of get into the hobby um well, I, th- I think for me, it all started with my uh, deep-seated love of all things fantasy. And I used to play a whole lot of Dungeons & Dragons when I was younger. And uh, mm-hmm. role-playing games like D&D, they require quite a lot of time because a good session should run, you know, a, a several hours. I think as I started getting older and getting, you know, uh, less free time for games with uh, more serious work and family and children, I found that uh, board games offered this amazing condensed experience of telling the stories that I love so much in this very interactive, engaging way um, with much less of an investment of time. So I really, um, I think for the last seven or so years have been really into board gaming, just sort of, you know, I think encountering this hobby um, much as many other people have with the amazing number of new games that have uh, have been hitting the market. And then in uh, 2015, because I have enjoyed uh, making things always, um, that's when I have created and launched uh, my first uh, the game that I have designed and developed. It was called uh, Cauldron, a board game mm. of competitive alchemy. 
uh, that uh, that did quite well on Kickstarter. We raised around uh, thirty thousand dollars, so we we have delivered that project to our backers late in uh, two thousand fifteen. Uh, managed to get that to backers a couple of months earlier than we expected. That was always nice for Kickstarters. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I think after that, there was a bit of a period of just sort of, you know, reflection and just rest because Kickstarters are stressful and effort intensive. Um, but after a while, I did realize that, you know, this is something that I enjoy very much. And it coincided with uh, this rise rise of interest for me in games that could be played solo, because as, uh, as I mentioned, I have two boys at home. And uh, yes. it's not really easy for me to get out to play a lot, but I do like playing games. So uh, I have been finding more and more interest in <clears throat> game, gaming that can be done solo. And for that reason, um, I started doing a lot of exploration of solo games. And it's a wonderful world out there. And what was even more exciting and interesting and unexpected for me was that there's a huge, very engaged community of solo gamers, which is not something you would expect because, you know, it's a bunch of people who like to play games by themselves. But it yeah. turns out they also really like talking about that uh, the games <laughs> that they play. And it's, re- it's really such an amazing community. You know, if, uh, if anyone's listening who wants a great Facebook group, the solo board gamers on Facebook is the best uh, group that I belong to. I highly, highly suggest a little caution. It will cost you some money because you will want to buy all the games that people are talking about. Um, um, what's, the, what's the kind of the... What are your games of choice when you're when you're solo playing yourself? What kind of games are you do you like kind of dipping into? Uh, well, I think I think my favorite solo game at this moment is the uh, Lord of the Rings living card game. For uh, for, right. for a couple of reasons. One is that I'm a huge uh, Tolkien fan, and I think that game does a wonderful job of bringing you know the world of Middle Earth to life. Um, just to give you an example of how much of a Tolkien fan I am, here I am in my uh, work office and I have a map of Middle Earth proudly displayed on my wall, just for everyone to know, um, you know, what my interests are. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great conversation starter. Um, what do people say? Is was that? Or is, it you, do you, is that the first thing that you do? Do you say, "Hi, I'm Artem, and here is my map." Yeah, basic. Well, maps, right? There is a there is a map of Westeros right right next to it. Oh, right. So, but it's okay. You know, sometimes there there was one person who came in who, uh, you know, we have these like intro interviews for new people who come in, and he immediately comes in and like points out to my map of Westeros and starts, you know, discussing how he never could understand where the citadel was and how, like what are all the main doing there i'm like okay i will like you so it, it it's like it's a test you know for people who are cool who i can immediately have strike up a conversation with <clears throat> so yeah um and another reason for why i really enjoy the lord of the rings living card game is because there is so much flexibility in how you play that and so much content that uh, fantasy flight games pumps out for uh, for that i mean um and do you do you prefer to play a solo game or are you are you in the situation with kind of like family life and work life that you're ending up kind of playing kind of solo games not through choice? I mean, would you buy, would you still buy kind of maybe the kind of your popular kind of, not popular because that's saying solo games aren't popular, but would you buy some of the games that people are always kind of talking about? to see if you can play it solo or if there's a, maybe a solo variant that you can bring in yourself? Not particularly. What, what I have always found, and I think we right now with uh, with the board gaming hobby, 
we're basically spoiled in that there is so much choice that's available to us. So settling for something like, you know, having to find a solo variant for a game that doesn't support it or, you know, finding a game that, you know, maybe you would enjoy, but it has too much luck in it, but you don't like luck. Maybe you don't like dice. You can always find a game that is much closer to exactly what you want. And that, that, that therein, I think, is why we're spoiled. But it's also good because it may, it means that we don't have to settle. So for me... Um, I, I don't really enjoy playing games that have like dummy players that you play against, and that right, that okay. is often sort of the mo of introducing solo play. Even though you know I'm certain that uh, there are many many game designers who do that that very well. Um, obviously, the work on Stonemire games clearly shows that their Atoma system really does yes. a good job of keeping people engaged yeah. and allowing people who wouldn't be able to otherwise, you know, play with the gorgeous miniatures of Scythe yeah. to to get it to the table. Um but it's just not Do you not jump in do you not jump into like war games as well though? Because I know that um Katie Katie Katie's game corner, she talks about often about playing kind of a lot of the solo valiance of the kind of the war games that you get out there. Is that something that you get into as well, or do you leave that? Not kind of, particularly, kind of and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you bring Katie up. I just I want to do a shout out because Katie is my absolute favorite uh, recent discovery in the world of uh, board game media creators. Uh, I think yeah. the work that Katie does is just fantastic, and she just brings such a needed voice to our hobby that I uh, I love that you brought her up. And I also, unlike Katie, I uh, I'm not advanced enough to play the kind of war games that she talks about. So I uh, I am a simpler man in terms of my uh, my tastes <laughs> because I, you know anytime anytime people play uh, uh, war games you know with a squad tactics and detailed stats for every single unit uh, it's just it's not my jam I like I like my abstraction that allows me to feel that you know I am having an adventure and yeah. I don't need to you know. Like in that campaign for North Africa, count out my uh, spaghetti tokens for my soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, after Cauldron, I mean, what made you decide? I mean, was it that your current situation, was it that made you decide, actually, I'm going to go ahead and make my own kind of solo game then? One of the reasons for that is that because of the whole family reasons, I was a little... Um, constrained and what I would be able to achieve in terms of getting my game to people for testing because obviously any good design has to be tested thoroughly in order to be good in order to be you know not just something that you dreamt up but something that works for people and not just your friends who will say things that you make are good um, yeah, yeah and there is this great upside of designing a solo game because you always have the needed number of players yeah. So do you have to be do you have to be quite strict when you're um designing a solo game? And I'll give you the I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you the reason why, okay? I am I am quite rubbish when it comes to kind of spoilers in movies. You know, if I can find out a spoiler, there'll be part 95% of me will be like, I don't want to know what's going on. Mhm. And then 5% of me will be the guy that jumps onto the internet and finds out the spoiler. And it's the same with like solo games. I remember I used to play the the um, is it the fighting fantasy right, yeah. flick books that you get. Yeah? yeah, 
and you could always know I was playing one of them because I had <laughs> I'd be holding the book in one hand and I'd have four fingers within the pages of the hand where I'd highlighted where all the different kind of outcomes were going to be so I could basically go oh I don't like that outcome I'll try the next one <laughs> that kind of thing so when when you're playing a solo game is it um is it difficult to get the balance? I mean, has it been difficult to kind of get the balance on on something like Unbroken? Well, there are, there are a couple of ways to answer that. One is more technical. Um, some of the background I have professionally is with statistics and math. So one of the first things I do before I you know even start putting together uh, the the first components for a game is I create a, a math model that governs everything that happens in the game from sort of the numbers perspective. And that kind of ensures that it starts off already from this very unbiased kind of by the numbers logic that then based on how it goes in testing, I can, you know, adjust slightly here or there, but mm-hmm. I can be I can be certain that it starts and it is based not just on whimsy and kind of like guesstimating, but a sp- yeah. specific set of formulas that uh, govern you know, the difficulty and the exchange rates, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in terms of ensuring that, you know, people don't feel bad regardless of how well they are doing. And that was definitely a goal for me because I always intended Unbroken to be a, a difficult game that people would not win at often. My my sort of strategy for that is to make sure that uh, much like the what a dwarf fortress has taught us, dying can be fun. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's all about the kind of stories that your games tell, and these should be fun and exciting regardless of whether you win or lose. And a great, a great example of this is um, Space Hulk Death Angel, which is also a it's technically a multiplayer co-op game, but it's very playable. And I think mo- most people enjoy it solo. Um, it's about Warhammer 40,000 group of space marines who are exploring this alien-infested uh, sort of old spaceship. And it's not easy to, to win there, but the game constantly develops and it creates these very tense, dynamic moments that uh, feel epic, regardless of whether you're winning or losing. So that to me was kind of like the, the the feeling that I was trying to instill that, you know, it's not your success that determines how much you're enjoying the game. It's the intensity of the story that unfolds before your eyes. Did you um did you ever play Dark Souls? You know what? I have very low experience with Dark Souls specifically as a game, mostly because I have never been a console player. But one of the yeah. one of the players who have done I think the most testing um, of Unbroken, I think one of my favorite quotes from him is that Unbroken is more Dark Souls than Dark Souls the board game. And that was... Uh, Ooh! Oh, we went there. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I, again, having... having I, I know of the sort of the atmosphere that the game tries to evoke, but... Um, yes. I, I, it's it's difficult for me to speak to it not having played either the board game or the video game. What I have played extensively is a game called Darkest Dungeon. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with that yes. one. Yes, yes, I am. It's um, it's um, it's an astonishing game in the fact that it says, okay, you've not just decided to take on a dungeon, but how do you actually feel <laughs> now that you've taken on the dungeon? Yep. And it puts players under stress. 
It puts players under duress. It kind of toys. It kind of enters into the world of kind of like mental mental illness. I mean, no. The reason that the reason I ask the question about Dark Souls is because that is <clears throat> when I was looking at it. That's one of the first things I guess I kind of thought it was a solo player, a solo player game where you were essentially, um, you know, you're the only, as it says, you're the only remaining adventurer who barely escapes a monster ambush that claims the lives of all of their friends. So you have to get their bearings, equip yourselves and reclaim their freedom as you fight your way out of a monster infested catacombs. Now, um, that to me, the plot line would fit very, very along kind of Dark Souls. And that, if this is what you're saying Unbroken is about, there's a little there's a little bell in my head that starts a ringing. <laughs> Good. It goes, I am you know, this this colour me colour me kind of interested because um I do I mean, I'll admit and I've I've, I've said this before, I play the Dark Souls board game kind of solo play because you can do that. But it's kind of there for solo play, but there's a couple of fudges that you have to do, and you know this, which is fair enough. But if you're saying to me, you know, this is a, this is a survival. I mean, how? Okay, why don't you go into the mechanics a bit? Tell us about actually what you're doing, kind of in the game itself, Artem. I guess. So you covered uh, the basic premise of the game that you uh, you do in fact wake up being the lone survivor of a terrible monster ambush, and uh, have to navigate your way through these dangerous caverns and hopefully find some scraps to make some weapons with and you only have a limited number of time to regain your strength and gather supplies because the monsters who've killed your friends there are after you and so after some time passes they will attack so you have to always balance your long-term preparation with the short-term staying alive against you know the current foe that you are facing uh, the mechanics of the game are unusual somewhat for a dungeon crawler because they are mostly about resource management and that's intentional because i wanted to make a game that is less dependent on the die rolls or you know the card draws and more so on the planning and the decisions that a character could could take so that uh, yeah. players would feel you know agency and investment in the choices that they make and a certain lack of certainty because you, you you never are quite sure what the right way to to do things is because you know every, depending on which monsters you're going to face different strategies would be uh, differently effective and uh, there is always a trick that you know you could you could spend some of your resources to learn more about the danger the monster that you're going to encounter what's going to be more effective against it but you know sp doing so means that you now have less time less strength left to prepare yourself for that fight. So it's always like this kind of trade-off of certainty versus ability um, that I was really trying to go for. The game itself mostly is, so as you go through this uh, preparation stage, you uh, find you have different encounters in the dungeon that either allows you to you know, use your wits to collect some resources or you know, interact with the less violent um, inhabitants of the caverns that you find or just if even if nothing else is just a chance to rest up or maybe you get a chance to bury one of your friends that inspires you to greatness and to uh, you know new heights of violence as you're going to avenge them um yeah it's 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 dark and intentionally so because i i've always i always find that you know i think the market is so oversaturated with uh, especially the fantasy 
that people take sort of shortcuts and the going into the dungeon is just like this one generalization of cliches and if you do stop for a second and think about everything that's involved in there the people who might probably are like poorly prepared for it are going somewhere to risk their lives just to to get greedy and to murder other creatures mm-hmm. it's i think there is still a lot of things to get excited about in that premise and to be scared of and that's what unbroken tries to do it tries to deconstruct this experience that i think we now take for granted and to take and examine uh, the individual parts of that experience in all of their you know grotesque nature that that is, that is still scary i think that is still tense suspenseful that makes you feel that you are making these life or death decisions as you're trying to fight off monsters who are not caricatures you know they are evil sentient creatures that that want you dead for a reason and the only way mm-hmm. well actually not the only way you can actually trick the monsters in the game there are two ways to you can deal with most monsters and you can either fight them or you can use resources that you have collected to trick them so avoiding the fight altogether um that way you don't so get did rid- you yeah go ahead well i was going to say did you want to completely mitigate kind of the luck aspect then I mean, was that was that important to you? Because I, I've seen games where, and the usual suspects in a kind of like a dungeon crawling game, where you can have the best equipment, but you can still get into a spot where if you're rolling poorly, it doesn't matter how how well you've done so far in the game, you can end up getting kind of wiped out extremely quickly. So was that was that the point you wanted it to be? Listen. You've got to be analytical here. You've got to plan here. You've got to know what you're doing here in order to to kind of actually win. So I wanted, I like the I like that you use the term mitigate as opposed to eliminate. I wanted to make sure that luck is still in the game, but it's not the prevalent determinant of how well someone does. Um, my my personal rule is that I want some excitement in the game. I want there to be sort of critical junctures where you can either do a face palm or pump your fist in excitement based on an outcome that you are not sure about. And I find that games that are entirely, uh, you know, predictable and static and the way that they uh, un- unravel, you know, think you're Agricolas and etc. I think as smart and engaging as they are, they don't allow for that kind of excitement. Um, so in Unbroken, it's basically half and half. All of the actions of the character are resolved without relying on luck. So if you've mm-hmm. uh, if you've uh, banked enough strength for to land powerful hits, you'll land those powerful hits. Um, if you've if you've planned enough to you know have some armor, it will protect you. The randomness comes in that you are never sure which challenge you are going to be up against. And as I mentioned again, you can sort of have a peek at what you will get. So again, it's your choice. Do you want to know in advance and spend some of the resources or not? The biggest Mm -hmm. randomness component that comes in is when you decide what the monster is going to do. And for that, you just roll a die. And uh, depending on the die roll, the monster triggers different effects that they could potentially have. And that's really where 
the the randomness comes in and that's where if they if they roll high you will be doing a face palm and if you roll if they roll low and maybe even miss entirely you will be pumping mm-hmm. your fist in excitement so it, mm-hmm. it kind of it contributes to the fact that you are using your planning to overcome constantly changing obstacles with constantly changing resources because you know maybe based on what the monster is doing maybe you're fighting like a, a very hungry cave bear and he just goes straight for your food and just like eats everything that you had and now after beating him you won't have enough food to eat and you starve you know or maybe you're fighting um you're fighting a vampire and you really need a stake to get through her heart to truly defeat her and she she will try to get rid of all your wood just so that you (laughs) can't do that yeah you know so it's it's that kind of mix of luck and uh, planning that I was trying to go for where I I wanted to make sure that the player never feels that they themselves can't do something because the dice didn't let them but it's Mm -hmm. more like the obstacles that they have to overcome are constantly changing because of um, factors that are not always within their control Can they... um... How long does it play for? I mean, can a player run a campaign or are they kind of restricted? Are they kind of playing for an hour at a time, a couple of hours at a time? Can they string kind of different scenarios together? Um, so right now there is no um, there is no campaign mode. It's it's focused and that's the way I've always kind of imagined it and envisioned it is it's a short game by design. It's, uh, it's played within 20 to 30 minutes. And it's meant to provide this kind of self, self-contained, uh, brief, tense, challenging experience within that short playtime. Because, again, as I mentioned, it's it's the kind of game that I want people to be able to play with as little restrictions as possible. And time can all, often be a restriction as much as number of players for people. I mean, I would love to play more Eldritch Horror. But uh, opportunities for me to set aside two, three hours for playing something are few and far between. Whereas games like Friday or you know, Lost Expedition, One Deck Dungeon, mm. all of those make, to my, make it to my table much more frequently because they don't require as much of a commitment. So I was trying to make Unbroken Fit into that short sort of get your fix kind of a, kind of a category. Um, what, what it doesn't do in campaign mode I think it does introduce to some way in learning curve. So it's a game that you need to play several times to become better at, to understand what you should be going for, which are the risks that are ill-advised and which are the risks that you should take a little bit. So there is that learning um, component for it that I, I hope players get excited about as it really allows them to feel their mastery of the game grow. Mm-hmm. As a solo game, does it take up an awful lot of space? Mm-hmm. I mean, is this something you're going to need to? Because um, I remember, okay, I mean, I remember um, people talking about Tiny Epic Dungeon, for instance, and the fact that it came in a really, really small box, but it ended up spreading across the entire table. So, are, um, do, do you mean um, Tiny Epic Quest, or did I miss one of Scott Holmes? Yeah, games? sorry, yeah, time, yeah, probably time, yeah, because you, you immediately piqued my interest. I'm like, oh, what's Tiny Epic Dungeon? I want that now. <laughs> Just, just watch now. Like in three months, there's going to be Tiny Epic Dungeon on Kickstarter. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, no, uh, yeah. What was I gonna say? Yeah. So, um, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably got it wrong. 
pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I... tiny epic. I mean, there's tiny epic quest. There's tiny. I mean, there's probably tiny epic sandwich. You know, <laughs> you know, tiny tiny epic chess. There's probably a lot. But all I remember is, you know, the amount the amount. All I remember is the the amount of space that that game took up was absolutely massive, for a game that supposedly came in a small box. Now, Unbroken looks like it comes in a relatively small box. So, how much space do you need in order to play it then? It does come in a small box, and while I wouldn't call it, you know, a tiny game to play in terms of the footprint that it has, it is by mm-hmm. no means, um, by no means, is it large. I would, I would say that takes about as much space as Friday to play. Oh, okay. Not that much at all then. That's okay. No, That's no. okay. Because you just imagine somebody um, on a long journey on a train or something like that being able to take in a plate on a table in front of them or, you know, or be able to sit in the living room while their partner's doing other things like watching the TV or playing a video game and they're you're able to sit there with a coffee table in front of you and be, be able to get a couple of uh, a couple of games in. Yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely enough for a, like a coffee table is enough. I would with some creative scooching you can probably fit it on a tray. All right, okay. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah. How much is it going to be? So it's going to be about uh, $29 Canadian plus about a, f- a few bucks extra shipping. Um, mm-hmm. So all in all, for people who are, let's say, within the EU, let me see what the, the current exchange rate would be. Um, see, that's how now, This is live. This is live. You're getting live exchange rates. Uh, yes, yes. All, thanks to all, all exchange rates, because subject to change as per your current... It's, it's a bit... It's about sixteen pounds, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was checking euros. That's not right. Ugh. Great, great, great geography. God. That's okay. Well, if you know the euro price, then I could say the yeah, pounds. So how much is it in it's, euros? It's about eighteen pounds. With uh... yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that's and that's including shipping, and we uh, we are really? arranging for uh, U- European Union friendly shipping so that. You, Backers can be sure that they don't worry about uh, you know that and all of those other unpleasant things. So what's your? I mean, how long's the the Kickstarter is going to be the twenty seventh? Um, how long are you running it for? Is it the standard kind of thirty one days for the Kickstarter? Or yeah, it's a standard thirty day campaign. It starts on March twenty seventh and goes until April twenty fifth. All right. Okay. And have I mean, how have you found it in terms of marketing this game? Because it's, it's different from from your previous game, um, Cauldron. Has it been a different approach to kind of marketing this game? Yeah, very much because so. Because it is a solo player, yeah? Very much so. And I think a part of it also is because in the three years between uh, when I first ventured into this whole game design and publishing experience, I, I think I learned a lot in terms of, you know, about the board gaming community and the kind of uh, spaces to interact there are, you know, starting from, you know, all the social media to Board Game Geek and everything. But I think the most different thing that happened for this time was the fact that I could reach out to so many uh, personalities that cover specifically solo games. And and I could be very sure about the fact that this is the type of game that they would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And as a, mm-hmm. as a result, I was able to get um, 
like prototypes and print and plays not only to you know some of the mainstream reviewers like i'm very very excited for example that uh, rado is going to be doing a, a review of the game um, oh that's awesome <clears throat> yeah it, it, it really means a lot you know because i've i've watched so much of his videos for games that i was learning or wanted just to check out so to see him to see him covering Unbroken was a very special treat for me, uh, but also to reach out to some of the sort of smaller independent, uh, like up and coming reviewers that are out there that form this really tightly knit and very encouraging and supportive community. As I found out, um, you know, it's uh, Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, Giles from uh, Both Sides of My Table, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. They're, they're like Giles is Giles is excellent, and if you're listening, I if if you're listening, Giles, you are excellent. So there you go. I agree. I agree. You are. Yeah. There's. You know. I I could I could really go on for uh, for quite some time listing all of the amazing people from the solo community who have played it and have helped sort of raise the profile of this, and you know, talking to find people like yourself on uh, on the podcasts there's so many podcasts that are dedicated specifically to solo gaming i'm i'm just as i mentioned in the beginning i'm i was really impressed with the community that exists around solo gaming and i was very i feel very uh, thankful for the support that that community has extended to unbroken this far that's excellent that's excellent um what we'll do is we will um we'll make sure that the kickstarter link goes into the show notes so that we have notes to show. However, if people are have listened tonight, and I'm aware it's a quick one, but that's because of time constraints and everything like that. Um, where can we find you on the internet webs if they want to track you down, Artem? Well, uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me is on Twitter. I am at Art Safarov. Um, there's also a Facebook group that they keep for Altima Games, and I'll send you all the links for uh, for these places. Mm-hmm. Um, AltimaGames.com is a website that I keep, and I'm also very active on BoardGameGeek, as you can find me talking about Unbroken or any other amazing games out there. Excellent. So, uh, um, yeah, also, as I say, we'll make sure that we take all those links in, and we will point them people in the right direction for that um best of luck with the campaign artem i hope it goes um i hope it goes uh swimmingly well for you and i mean at 18 19 pounds that's really that's not an awful lot of money at all is it it's very very reasonable indeed and i'm sure that giles will will have a lot to say <laughs> about putting it. a lot of pressure on giles would they say <laughs> i you know something anyway you know, he needs a little bit of pressure now and again. well we'll it consider this as promotion better. Yeah, exactly. Listen to both, you know, go and check check out both sides of the table. Yeah, um, you will have a review of uh, Unbroken up, so go and check it out. It's both sides of my table as well. Better get it right, because otherwise he will shout at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to keep an eye on what we are doing, go to Google, search for We Are Not Wizards. You will find us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and um, Instagram. You'll also find us on the various kind of podcast catchers of your choice. So that'll be your Spreaker, your Stitcher, your Acast, your Podknife. Um, you can find us through our website, we're not wizards.com. You can jump onto Spotify, you can find us there um, and feel free to stream away. We are on Spotify, I have no idea why. Press the button, I guess. 
Um, you can also jump onto Apple Podcasts and you can leave us a subscription. If you give us a subscription, that would be fantastic. If you give us a rating or review, that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, if you are going to give us a rating or review, remember to um, don't give us 10 because it makes us big-headed, but don't give us one because it'll make us cry. Give us a five because it's in the middle and it's average. And we're a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather fantastic, the rather wonderful Mr. Artem. You're being too kind. Too <laughs> Safar- kind. Safarov. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all of my Scottish dose today. That's wonderful. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, so, you know, thank you very, very much for coming on and best of luck with the campaign. There are only a couple more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Artem? I don't think so. No, of course not. We are um, scrambling, we're surviving, we're kind of scraping by by the skin of our teeth. We are getting into fights with monsters and horrors of the, the dungeons and deep in the underground, and we are fighting forward to survive and we will be many things and but we shall definitely try and remain unbroken by the end of our campaign and the second thing is to say goodbye so it's a goodbye from artem say goodbye artem thank you so much for this opportunity richard i really appreciate it talking to you and thank you so much for everyone who listened to it i hope to see you on the unbroken campaign and uh, keep playing good games (laughs) excellent and it's a goodbye from me Stay safe. Roll sixes. Check out Unbroken when it's coming out. I mean, come on. You can't play with games with your friends all the time. Sometimes it's nice and enjoy your own company. But until the next time, goodbye. 